GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. On Thursday, those registered to vote in Gibraltar will choose the 17 MPs we want to represent us for the next four years who will form government. Today, we spoke to Roz Astengo, who was at the GSLP Liberals press conference. The Alliance said that they should be the ones to be entrusted with financial services. And Kevin Rees joined us after being at the GSLP press conference where Keith Asopardi said his party would seek to reduce the government's power by enlarging the parliament. But first, the latest in our election programming, the leaders' live interview with Fabian Picardo. The GSLP Liberal leader was in this studio to answer questions for 15 minutes. Election 2023, the leaders' interviews on Radio Gibraltar. Yes, we have covered a lot of election policies so far and we will attempt to cover new ground over the next 15 minutes that may help those undecideds make their mind up. As is traditional, this is designed to be a fairly robust interview and uh, this afternoon it's with, by of course, a, a coin toss. It's with Fabian Picardo, the leader of the GSLP Liberals. Good afternoon to you, Mr. Picardo. Good afternoon, uh, Jonathan. We'd ask you, if possible, to keep your answers to more or less 60 seconds max. Uh, if you can point me to an interview with you that hasn't been robust, I'd be <laughs> well, delighted to make memory. I, I, I suppose I should thank you. Absolutely. Um, okay, so you've said that the equalisation of pensionable age will be lowered to 60 for those who want to retire at 60, but uh, I presume that wouldn't be at full salary. Would it be for full salary for women? What do you mean by full salary? I think you, you mean a full by salary. Full, Sorry, full, full pension. pension. Yes. Yes, of course. Yes, it will be at a full pension for anybody who retires at that age, who has the necessary stamps, and there are some people who start their working life later. And what we've said in the manifesto is that we now are able to commit again to 60 with the caveat that we will be able to permit people who wish to continue to work after 60 to continue in work and make contributions. There are systems in other jurisdictions in the European Union that make this provision and that's what we're proposing. So it would bring an end to the current discriminatory policy whereby women can retire sooner than men? It would bring an end to that policy. On equal terms? It would it would bring an end to that policy which we have accepted for some time. It's discriminatory and we have been seeking to be able to undo. And the negotiations, the state of the negotiations now is such that we believe uh, we are now able to firmly commit to that. So the state of the negotiations with uh, the EU and the UK as, as, as our partners uh, on our future relationship with Spain and the rest of the EU? That's right. And how the social insurance issues will interface in that context, because you know that the issue that has been difficult here has been the amalgamation uh, right that individuals have when they come to Gibraltar, they work for a period, then they're entitled to amalgamate that period. If it is more than the minimum period to vest a pension, a state pension, they're able to contribute that also to their pension pot if they work in other places and to choose which pot they take. That's why we haven't had the freedom to do this in a risk-free fashion, but we now believe we will be able to. The rest of Europe 
which, like us, is facing an ageing population, is going in the opposite direction and raising women's pensionable age to 67, not reducing men's pensionable age to 60. That's a quote from Sir Joe Bosano's budget speech in 2021. Um, and in this manifesto, he says that the increased number of pensioners in the population means that the system is no longer in balance. How can we, as a society, afford to pay pensions from earlier? For a simple reason. The imbalance that we have is created by the arrival in Gibraltar of a working population that is the same size as the working population in Gibraltar. In other words, half of the workforce comes into Gibraltar from outside of Gibraltar. If we're able to deal with that, as I'm telling you, we will be able to deal with it in the context of the EU treaty negotiations in a way that is satisfactory, not just to us, but also to the European Union and principally to Spain, who have the largest share of the cross-frontier workforce, then we're able to deal with this in a way that rebalances the contributions, rebalances what we have to pay out, and that's what we can commit to. But of course, if the GSD were to win the election and the GSD negotiating team were to be sitting opposite the Spanish negotiating team and the European negotiating team, I have no doubt that the Spanish negotiating team will press the reset button and things will have to start all over again. And therefore, even this commitment in relation to equalisation at 60 would be at risk. So then it is wholly contingent on getting a treaty uh, agreed? It is wholly contingent in getting a treaty agreed. We believe that it is now very clear that with the GSLP negotiating team we'll be able to continue the negotiations and agree the things that are still to be agreed the negotiating counterparties that we have understand the vehemence with which we will defend the issues of sovereignty in that negotiation and the positions that we have taken it's just that it, it, but they will start again if there is a different negotiating team for Japan. On the GSLP Liberal social media this weekend you made the commitment without the caveat, without the provided that we get a treaty. Well, indeed, uh, but, but I'm explaining, putting a policy focus on what is in page 41 of our manifesto. It's very clear. We are now very clear that we're able to do it and we know why we're able to do it and how we will deliver it in a way that balances the books. Okay. Uh, if I move on to the campaign, have you spent more than £30,000 on this election campaign by spending money before dissolving Parliament for services that would see benefits during the campaign? No, the rules require us to count also the 30 days before the dissolution of Parliament. That's how it's worked out. We've been very conscious. Remember, we were the ones who knew when the general election was going to be called, so we haven't broken those I rules. didn't say in those 30 days. I mean generally before. No, the rules talk about the 30 days and the 30 days before. So we've been very conscious because we knew when the election was going to be called what our spending should be and how it should be balanced. But my point is, could you have spent money more than 30 days before the election for the election campaign? I think all parties have been spending money during the course of the year, knowing that when the bell rung for the general election, rules apply that go forward 30 days and back 30 days. Okay. What would you say to a listener who thinks that the GSLP Liberals, potentially the GSD, but you are the GSLP Liberals here in front of us today, uh, that you have been running a dirty campaign, in your case attacking opponents personally, for example, editing Atris Sanchez in recent days to make her sound less articulate? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's important that people hold up a mirror to themselves. We have had to deal with allegations uh, that we are somehow corrupt. We've had to deal with constant allegations in writing that we are liars when what we do is to go to work every day because the people of Gibraltar have entrusted us with our ministries to do a decent day's work, to work as hard as we can, never to take a penny of the people's money. And yet we have all of these allegations thrown at us when we 
make a remark about something as a fact, we are told that those facts are lies. For example, Daniela Tilbury has said that we've been lying about issues relating uh, to uh, the phone bill that we found we had to pay. And that apparently is dirty politics. That's just the truth. And what we've done is actually demonstrate the opposite. In the context of a Trish Norton, what we've done is show that the GSD has edited her contributions to make her seem more erudite than she is. And what people are choosing is a team of ministers for the morning of Friday the 13th. And the GSD should not be allowed to try and pull the wool over people's eyes by editing the ums and ahs and gasps of their candidates on air to pretend that they are able to deliver uh, a speech without those difficulties. Let me ask you about the public service. Do you feel that um, the public service and, and civil servants in particular feel that hard work is rewarded, that poor performance is managed and do you think that the public feel that the civil service is a meritocratic organization there are many urban myths in gibraltar uh, and one of them is contrary to the public sector and the, the civil service and that's why you will have heard me say before the pandemic and after the pandemic that i have never worked with better professionals than i have worked with in the public sector of course there are issues in some instances when people don't pull their weight there are in every organization we have to get better at dealing with those individuals in many instances people don't pull their weight because they have problems we have become more pastoral in the way that we deal with those problems. I think the public saw and understood during the COVID pandemic just how important the public sector was. Remember, the private sector, except for the gaming and financial services industry, the private sector stopped and the public sector run Gibraltar. So whether it's a... Uh, it's the national broadcaster or the people who were keeping uh, water, electricity, fire, police, the port open. All of the areas, too many to mention. Customs, you know, I'm sorry if I haven't mentioned everyone. The public sector held Gibraltar on its shoulders and those people of the public sector, for me, are the pride of Gibraltar. And I'm delighted to have had the ability let, to work with them at, to their standards. Let me ask you about the uh, pandemic. There was a mad rush for personal protective equipment during uh, the darkest days of COVID-19. Most countries have had PPE corruption scandals uh, and procurement scandals. Did we do things better and more fairly than elsewhere in Gibraltar or is it that we haven't really subjected our COVID spending to proper scrutiny? We did things better in Gibraltar. Our COVID spending has been subjected to scrutiny. We've looked at all of the issues that have been raised by the opposition in Parliament, the companies that supplied it, etc. But you talk to a doctor who was in the United Kingdom they didn't have the PPE that they needed. We ensured that we moved heaven and earth to get the PPE that our GHA professionals needed. We had it here with them. Of course, there are issues we could have done better in the GHA. There are issues that Gemma Alias will deal with if she becomes minister of the people of Gibraltar want on the morning of the 13th of October. There are issues that Albert Isola has dealt with in the past year. But the, our GHA staff had what they needed. We moved heaven and earth and the PPE was here. Okay. Today's counter-service uh, statement, the GSLP Liberals have announced that if re-elected, they would enter into discussions with government departments that have not yet resumed a full daily counter-service since the pandemic with a view to returning full counter-service in all departments across the government within two weeks of your potential re-election. Sounds like that should be easy, which begs the question, why haven't you done it yet? 
Well, it's not that we haven't done it. It's that we've done it in a way that is staggered. There are some instances which have been brought to my attention where people need an appointment to go to a counter or where, in fact, the counters are open on a number of days but not all days. And there's a very recent judgment of the European Court of Justice which actually requires to us to continue running analog systems at the same time as we're running digital systems in order to provide equality to people in terms of their interface with the government. We've taken that Court of Justice decision on board and therefore we're going to make accessible of counters a key point that we'll be uh, taking forward. We want to do this with the unions. It's important that the unions are on side with us as we reopen all of the counters all of the time because all of the counters are open. We just need to have them open all of the time. Before we move on, uh, your statement says at the top, within two weeks, at the bottom it It says says 12 12 weeks maximum. Because I wrote it and I think it said 12 weeks. So uh, the reasonable thing is that we do it within 12 12 weeks. weeks. Within two weeks we will start the negotiation with the unions, um, and within 12 weeks we hope to have the new systems operational. 12 weeks is the target, okay. Um, Mr. Picardo, you've made comments about uh, the GSD, um, a vote for the GSD meaning that uh, our taxes will go up, but I don't think that there's uh, any commitments, um, I'm sure you point me in the right direction if I'm wrong, uh, that say that um, in the Alliance's manifesto what you are going to do about income tax, uh, which means potentially that you could raise it and then say that you didn't say that you wouldn't raise it? I have said I wouldn't raise it. I've been very clear. I said it in Parliament, which for me is sacrosanct. It's in Hansard. I said that next year, if a GSLP Liberal government is elected after the general election, tax will go down again to 25% by one point. Remember, I had to put tax up by two points for two years, but the performance of the economy was such that I was able to bring tax down by 1% a year earlier than I anticipated. And that is my commitment. People who watch my party political broadcast tonight will be able to point to that as setting out in detail our commitment not to raise taxes and I want to be very clear I think the GSD have really been unfair in the way that they've run this general election campaign their approach has been to tell I'm sorry to have to say it lies about GSLP liberal candidates and GSLP liberal policies but the one thing that the the GSD has done is be very clear in A not ruling out tax rises and B not ruling out cutting public sector jobs because they've said that the public sector is bloated. So what's coming if there is a GSD government is tax rises because by not ruling them out it's obvious they're going to go up and cuts in public sector jobs and what is coming if there is a GSLP Liberal government is that there will not be tax rises, tax will go down and we will have the recruitment we'll, of the public sector we'll that we need. We'll put that uh, Mr. Asabari tomorrow. You put uh, it to l- him already l- in the media let me program ask you, and he Mr. gave his very Mr. equivocal Bigala, answer. Gibraltar doesn't have a capital gains tax. Of course we tax workers, what would you say to people who think that you are taxing work, but you're not taxing wealth? Well, there is an argument to be made there, but of course there is a counter-argument to that, and that is that one of the reasons that Gibraltar is a very attractive jurisdiction in which to do international business is because there isn't a capital gains tax, and you have to balance the possibility of introducing a capital gains tax against the possibility that Gibraltar might not be so attractive as a jurisdiction. We're looking at options that might enable us to deal with the social justice of that in some way, but it is very difficult to see how we could do that and not blunt Gibraltar's attractiveness as a jurisdiction internationally. Um, If I'm not mistaken, your status um, is that you are, apart from obviously uh, being a caretaker, chief minister and the leader of the GSLP Liberals, uh, you are an equity partner on sabbatical from the law firm Hassan's. The government has given the law firm many millions of pounds in legal and drafting work in recent years. How have you assessed and dealt with any potential conflict of interest 
interest as chief minister, overseeing the direct benefit to the firm and therefore potentially yourself of this government work? And how did you manage any conflict of interest that may have arisen indirectly from any decision you may have taken as chief minister that could have benefited the law firm and again indirectly yourself as an equity partner of it? By not giving the law firm any work myself. Most, if not all, of the work that Hassan's has got, it has got from other uh, heads of department outside of my ministries. I have given work to, in particular, TSN. Yes, you heard right, Jonathan. Most of the work that my department has given from the government has been directly to TSN or to Charles Gomez & Co. or to Triai & Triai or to any other of the law firms that you wouldn't associate with me. That has been over the period of 12 years. Um, I have not been the one to give any work to Hassan's. And in that way, I've dealt with the issues to ensure that all of this was proper. In the US, political leaders have waived the right to privacy since the early 70s, um, with most presidents and some vice presidents choosing to release their tax returns publicly. The UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak recently published a summary of his personal tax details. Would you consider publishing your returns, I or at least a summary? I have absolutely no difficulty in doing so. And what would they tell us, Mr. Picardo? They would tell you that I earn what I earn as Chief Minister and that I have an equity interest in Hassan's that in some years also produces an income for me, exactly as would have been the case in the context of the former Chief Minister, uh, Peter Kathwana, when he was Chief Minister. continues today? Absolutely. As, as is declared in the Register of, of Members' Interest, Hassan's has investments which were made before I left as an equity partner and those that came afterwards um, and of which I receive an equity and, and are declared to the tax authorities every single year and they are therefore uh, the public to see. Let me give you a if chance they, to give us... To. This has never been an issue before, but I have no difficulty. Uh, I'm just re- recently reading about Rishi Sunak. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you for a 10-second closing statement, Mr. Picardo. There's a big issue at stake here, which is who should lead the negotiations after the 13th of October, who should be the ministers after the 13th of October. Look at our policies, look at our steady hand in those negotiations, look at the people we propose as candidates and vote for those people to be ministers on the morning and vote all 10. If Thank it isn't you. my team, the team that goes to the negotiations, Spain will press the reset Thank button you. and it will all start Fabian again. Picardo, leader of the GSLP Liberals. Thank you very much. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. The general election when Gibraltar goes to the polls. So effectively, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday left of campaigning. Um, what have the main messages been today? Uh, Kevin, you were at the uh, at the GSD press conference. Uh, who was there? Keith Asopardi? That's correct. We had uh, Keith Asopardi and we had uh, Damon Bossino. They talked to us this morning about democratic reform. The GSD says the current uh, parliament setup does not work. And it says it would embark on what it terms revolutionary democratic reforms, which it says realistically it could introduce in time for the 2027 election. Um, Keith Asopardi said the reasons for these reforms are important. Uh, A parliament hasn't grown in size since the 60s. Um, He wants to install greater accountability, uh, enhance democracy, standards of office, a number of, uh, I mean, the changes are wide ranging. We heard from Keith this morning. You've got to give it structure, and I think if you do give it structure, we will have a better system. The key will be also to enshrine these changes so that a future government can't change it. Um, For example, if a future government wanted to put itself in a position where it dominates again, we want to make sure there's constitutional reform so that that doesn't happen. And and if that's the case, I think you you can end up with a system that, that will really be a legacy 
of reform that works well for the for the community. So Keith Asabardi speaking at a GSD press conference this morning on democratic reform and and bringing more accountability for the decisions taken by government ministers. Yes, and it's been a constant message by the GSC from the GSC throughout the entire campaign. I went to the first GSC uh, presser. Um, how long? Two, three weeks ago. It feels like a year feels now. Feels like a lifetime, doesn't it? <laughs> Two, three weeks ago. And at that very first press conference, which is all on, on anti-corruption, um, that was one of the messages they delivered as well. The message being the key message that GSD is delivering. They want to reduce the current power of, of uh, the government. They want to empower opposition with greater powers and it says this will allow for greater accountability um and a a wide series of uh of uh positives it says um they plan to change the way parliament works so uh ministers are 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 scrutinizing that they that they have to answer to 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 opposition members um and um, a number of other changes as well, which would intru- improve the quality of uh, debates as well. Because importantly, um, within those democratic reforms, the GSC wants to formalise the current sessions of Parliament. It says too many times now they turn up at Parliament not knowing what's being discussed or without notice, not knowing how long the sessions are going to be running uh, for. And it says it wants to formalise that, the length of the, the duration of the sessions, the agenda being released in time so that people have plenty of time to um, prepare and improve the quality of debates. That's another of the important changes they want to introduce with a view to um, secure another of their goals, which is to um, improve and widen access to Parliament, um, anyone wanting to enter the political sphere in future. Okay, and uh, so so the, the GSD is talking about this today. I mean, we've just got a few days to go to uh, Gibraltar actually casting um, its votes what would you say the ambiente was like? Um, they are quietly confident. They sounded like it this morning. Um, they're confident that the, this, uh, these uh, changes um, will be a seller. Um, will will be you know bought up and lapped up by the by the electorate. They think uh, Gibraltar needs it. Um, they're talking about greater transparency, reducing the the power of government, which they feel is something uh, the people might want because it w- would allow the government to be more accountable to the people. In that, um, Keith Asobari, the leader of the GSD, is looking at introducing monthly press conferences um, with the media, in addition to the already existing um, direct democracy, which happens uh, once every quarter. Um, um, like a bit American, no? Like the US right. president's yep. spokesperson, media officer taking questions. Mm-hmm. And the idea, obviously, being to... Um, become more accountable to, to, to the electorate and to the media as well. Um, a greater opportunity for questions, allowing for greater transparency and the flow of information as well. Importantly, um, the GSD wants to enlarge the parliament through the introduction of backbenchers. It previously committed itself to governing with eight ministers. That was in the 2019 election. It's something then they are not committing themselves to at this election. We asked them why. And they say too many big issues have arisen since 2019, which would not allow them to govern with eight ministers at present, but that it would be something they would commit to for the following election if those uh, uh, changes, if, if those issues are tackled. They say the GSLP have been governing with nine ministers for the large part, or for the most part, of the current term. After and Gendrick Likudi stepped back, yeah. Exactly, and it is something they would commit to once the number of issues that have arisen, which they say... Um, are solved. Another important one, 
Um, it's one we've seen the GSC commit to, I believe, in the Peter Caruana days. I forget the year now, you might recall, Jonathan. Um, the next GSD chief minister will not serve more than eight years. Oh, yeah, I'm not as chief minister, I think Peter Caruana might have given that commitment, perhaps. It must have been towards the end, because to, he served at, at, for exactly. 16 years. I think it was at the last uh, election, which he lost. Right. Um, okay, so that's that's very interesting. So so uh, the GSD is committing to two terms for any uh, GSD, GSD chief, minister. chief minister. And, and of course, constitutional reform, another biggie. Um, it's been uh, t- uh, 20-odd years now, 2006, when the constitution was last amended. We've embarked on this journey many years ago. Um, changes have been happening. Talk has been happening. The GSD says they would push ahead with constitutional reform. We've achieved a lot um, in respect and in comparison to other BOTs, to other overseas territories, and the detail now, or any changes or amendments or improvements, would be very granular, because so much has been achieved that would now go into the micro details. So that's another one. Of course, there's a lot, there's a lot um, of uh, changes, they're wide-ranging, there's many changes they want to introduce. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. We were speaking about the GSD press conference that was held this morning with just uh, two more days of campaigning. Well, this, including this one, I suppose, is three days of campaigning. And uh, and this morning, the GSD was focusing on uh, its sort of plans to enlarge Parliament and ensure better accountability. And at the GSLP Liberals headquarters, they were talking about financial services and Rosa Stengel was there. Hi, yes, Jonathan, yes, financial services. We had Fabian Bigardo, Albert Isola, who's obviously the outgoing Minister for Financial Services, and Nigel Featon was there. He, if elected into government, uh, Fabian Bigardo has already said he would take on that portfolio. So essentially what they were saying was that financial services and gaming together uh, account for 50% of the economy. And um, Fabian Bigardo said, if you don't get the economy right, you'll never get the finance revenue that you need to deliver on Manifesto commitments. Uh, Therefore, the economy is a huge part of how parties in government deliver those commitments and that's why this is so uh, important. Now the two biggest sectors of the economy are exactly that, financial services and gaming and these produce jobs and revenue for the government. So since two 2011, Albert Isola pointed out that they've grown the sector uh, from 2,000 jobs to 3,500 jobs despite Brexit uh, and they've also secured 30% of the insurance market. Uh, Nigel Featham spent some time uh, going over the GSD's manifesto and highlighting some areas in the manifesto that he said were nonsensical uh, and essentially the message was that, you know, it's such an important part of our economy. You need to have people there with the experience who can drive it forward. They believe Nigel Featham is that person. Uh, Fabian Bigardo said that he is recognised as a worldwide authority in aspects of financial services, uh, business and insurance. Protected companies, I think. Yes, and um, so that was essentially the, uh, uh, the, the, the key message there. You have a clip from Fabian Bigardo, I believe. Roy Clinton and not Craig Sacalero. Would Roy Clinton Sorry, do I, I, cl- I clipped the start of that. Let me just let me just start that again to make sure that everybody can hear what Mr. Picardo is saying. Uh, this is Gibraltar today. We are live, of course, and occasionally these things happen. And uh, now it's not there. I can stop it, can I? Or oh, I can't stop it. I don't know how to stop it, Ross. I love your calm voice, okay, Jonathan. Let, let, let's, let's come back to that <laughs> clip in a moment, shall we? Yeah, um, so what he's saying is that, you know, you've got a choice on the other party. He's already said Nigel Featham for the GSLP Liberals. On the other side, you've got Roy Clinton, whose area of expertise is public finances. It's important to stress that 
public finances is not the same as financial services. Uh, let's, let's hear that clip. And even if it were Roy Clinton and not Craig Sacalero, would Roy Clinton do a better job than Nigel Feetham in taking Gibraltar's financial services forward? Or is it the stark reality that if there isn't a GSLP Liberal government on the morning of 13th, Friday the 13th, actually financial services in Gibraltar, insurance in Gibraltar, gaming in Gibraltar, will suffer greatly from the absence of a talent like Albert Isola or Nigel Feetham to take it forward. Fabian Pigardo speaking at a GSLP Liberal press conference this morning talking about the importance of financial services and making the case for the alliance being the best team to manage them. Yes, and, and you know, Nigel, for those who know Nigel Feetham, he has for many years now blogged on financial services on his LinkedIn account. So, you know, his, his record is there, but obviously um, the, the, everyone brings an experience uh, to the role and Roy Clinton, whether it's Roy Clinton or Craig Saccarello, they have outlined uh, their position in their manifesto it doesn't it's not as detailed it must be said as as the GCLP liberals but this is an area that Nigel Feetham is is known for and is quite passionate about and that was essentially their key message I'm sure the GSL GSD would say something different uh, but that was their message today and how would you describe the ambiente um well, you know, they never give anything too much away, do they, at these press conferences? They seem pretty confident. I think certainly they're very, very confident in Nigel Feetham's ability to deliver in this area. Um, and that was essentially what it was about. He was of, of obviously on my money programme last week and he didn't have a chance to go through all the bits that he wanted to. So he did that in the press conference I think each, today. Each of the election <laughs> candidates would like their own programme where they can just answer questions exclusively yeah. themselves for 75 minutes. So he was able to go into more detail than he was able to in the programme because obviously I had um, you know Joe Bossano and I had uh, Roy Clinton and Craig Sackler I think they picked out one particular thing you might have seen some videos going around uh, um, one one of the uh, one of the suggestions Craig Sacarello had on the programme was the canals and, and you know they were raising that saying Essentially, the flavour was, look, you need someone with sensible ideas and, uh, you know, they did not consider that to be... Now, obviously, the GSD would disagree with that because there is a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of scope in environmental... Um, issues for financial services as well so and, and that was essentially what Craig Sacarello was trying to raise in the program but okay. yeah uh, quite positive uh, last week I think you know they're gearing up to the all to the finishing line we're not quite there yet Jonathan it's all been quite stressful but um, but hopefully we'll be there very soon yeah uh, I'm just looking at the chief minister's um, budget address from this year and it says 20% of the economy is... Uh, sorry, let me see. Oh, uh, okay, so it's uh, financial services, exactly. 20%. Remote gambling, 28%. Yes, yes. So, so it's pretty much... Practically half. Oh, yeah, practically and half. Then, yeah. And then employment, it's 13% financial services and remote gambling is 12%. Yeah. So lots of jobs, but an even bigger so, uh, economic footprint. So, so it is, you know, it is, at the end of the day, you're, you're offered uh, a choice of Nigel Feetham or... Roy Clinton or Craig Saccarello. We don't know which one of those. And they're essentially saying, think carefully when you make that choice. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. We're going to talk sport in just uh, a moment. Jose Marjuiz is here. Do you want to, yeah, jump in, Jose. Let's, uh, let's jump straight into the, into the sport. No time like the present. 
Exactly. Good afternoon, Jennifer. How are you? Good, thank you very much. Good. Well, we'll start with the biggest story from the weekend. Gibraltar are under 21 Europe Netball Challenge champions. That's right. What an achievement. We covered Amazing. it over the weekend on our socials. Great achievement. They got off to a flying start on Friday over in Sheffield, beating favourites Republic of Ireland 41-36. This was followed by a convincing win against arch-rivals Isle of Man 41-28. They then thumped Switzerland 64-21 to take home gold, a massive achievement from the squad. This is what head coach Sarah Pias had to say after the last game. Very pleased because um, we sort of we tried to keep to our structures and everything, and we tried to. I tried to play everybody. I had quite a number of young players that didn't get much match play in the other two, and they are part of the future. And they've only just come up from under 17, so that was great for them to have that experience out. What a win, Hossa Kevin! Yeah, incredible. I mean, to start off with such a big victory against the favourites, Republic of Ireland, they're always so strong. And then we always have this kind of arch-rival battle going on with the Isle of Man and to see yep. them come on top quite convincingly as well when normally it's a lot tighter, we sometimes lose. So, I mean, the, the team is, is looking great and it's going to be great for the upcoming youth tournament they have uh, in 2025. So, great time to super, get, get involved super, in yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what are the things that they're doing well, do you think? The coaching. The coaching from all levels, it's like... I mean, as a Varsa fan, I guess you can explain it as uh, in La Masia, they teach the, the kids the same philosophy all the way up. And Sarah Bias, the head coach, is involved from the youngest ones all the way up to the senior ones. They all get the same trainings, the same drills. So they're all quite, quite gelled, you know, and they all come up together. Interesting, yeah. And for the sports that only women play in Gibraltar, there's four divisions, which is a lot of players really involved. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's massive and they're doing really well and I hope they Super. continue to do well, yeah. Excellent story. Well, great. Uh, I think we've got them in tomorrow, actually. Yeah, we're going to be yeah. talking to them in the studio tomorrow. And back at home, there's more stuff happening. Gas's annual endurance swim took place on Saturday. 54 braved the challenge that had swimmers start at the bathing pavilion, swim alongside Westview Park to the Yacht Club and back. Winning it for the first time was Christian Chang Shipolina with an impressive time of 25 minutes and 34 seconds. Let's hear from the winner. I was quite nervous and seeing the other swimmers I was against, I was quite like, you know, I thought I wasn't going to do that as well as I thought I was, but then obviously as the race went on, I was leading and I won, obviously. He's quite young, no? Yeah, he was quite young. Well, just same age, I believe, as uh, the first woman that crossed the finish line, which was only one minute behind Christian, and this was 15-year-old Ruby Randall. She got an impressive time, like I said, of just a minute under Christian. And also a very, very nice story from the swim. Also taking part in this race were three generations of one family. The oldest person to ever complete the race, 86-year-old Walter Warwick. What? 86, yeah, but it gets better. Alongside his son and grandson, Wesley, who survived a stroke some time ago. So a brilliant oh, yes, achievement. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. So three generations, one of them a stroke survivor, one of them 86. Yeah, wow. and the father, yeah. And believe it or not, the 86 year old says that his secret to a success is whiskey. <laughs> That's what he told me in an interview. I'm a not lovely sure if man. You should be saying a lovely that. man. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, let's finish with the football on Wednesday. We've got a friendly game against Wales. Won't be showing the match live on television, unfortunately, because of all the debates happening. But it will be online on gbc.gi. Starts at 8.35 with commentary from Davy Wilson and Paul Green Turner. That's against Wales in the popular stadium over in Wrexham, which is, of course, 
very popular now with the Disney Plus show with Ryan Reynolds and his uh, yeah. co-owner. So it's uh, going to be great to see it there. It's the first time Wales played there in five years. So it's going to be quite a special atmosphere, I imagine. And of course, on Monday, we get back onto our Euro qualifying campaign versus the Republic of Ireland over in Faro. Excellent. And um, any team news, Jose? Um, I know that uh, Julian Ballerino has got months left before yeah. he returns. Yeah. Right? So there is a few injuries which we knew about before. Julian, Graham Torija. And there is uh, some returning faces to the squad. Kenneth Cipollina gets a call-up again. He's been out of the squad for a while. And some new faces as well. Michael Ruiz plays for Lynx. He's a youngster. He's got a call-up. And Evan Dejaro has also got a, a call-up. So maybe they'll get some minutes in the friendly. Not sure who you'd want to test them that much ahead of a, a Euro qualify maybe he'll want mm. to kind of play his strong team and get them ready and set for that big match on Monday Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today I'm Kelly M. Borge the show's producer We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2 getting behind the headlines and you can catch up here whenever you like Until next time have a good one GBC Podcasts Local Voices On Demand